It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Chad Pergram, I know that you are the person to go to when it comes to anything that's happening on Capitol Hill, and there are a lot of things happening on Capitol Hill at the moment. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you for having me. It's not quite hockey season, but there is a hat trick of things going on. We have (laughs) impeachment of the president. We have maybe a leadership challenge to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and will the government shuts down? shut down so you know that's our that's our hat trick that's our trifecta so here's how i understand this and and uh please correct me if i am wrong there basically seems to me to be two factions within the right wing of the republican conference on the house side one that wants to advance appropes bills without doing a cr and one that has coalesced around a cr that they've basically worked out uh, in negotiation with some other members, and that that basically pits sort of Matt Gates, Chip Roy, and Kevin McCarthy against each other in sort of a, a different mm-hmm. way. Is that is that an accurate frame of the situation? Yeah, that, that's pretty close. I mean, you know, depending on the day, the bill, it might be hard to figure out, you know, who's on which side on some of this. But this is what happens when you have a four-seat majority, majority that's a little bit smaller now that Chris Stewart, the Republican from Utah, resigned. Yeah. His wife has health problems. This was as of Friday. And uh, you have other members who have been away. Uh, Steve Scalise, the majority leader, um, he parachuted back in on Thursday last week for the first time since uh, his cancer diagnosis. So we're not 100% sure on his availability to vote. Uh, you have somebody like Anna Paulina Luna, the Republican freshman from Florida who just had a baby, who also apparently has been a little bit sick too, and said that she would come back to vote no on a CR uh, to fund the government because it was that important. Now, let's be clear here. A CR, a continuing resolution, that just funds the government at the current levels. And when you get to September 30th, the end of the government's fiscal year, that's what they do a lot of times here. They just re-up that funding. Well, these conservatives, these arch conservatives, the reason they oppose that is because that's renewing the old funding and they view that as, and that's not a cut. Okay, why would we agree to the old funding that was passed by you know Democrats in the House, Democrats in the Senate, President Biden? So that's the red line for them. And then you have this this deal that came out from Rusty Johnson, Republican from South uh, South Dakota, uh, who's uh, chair of the, what they call the Main Street Caucus here on Capitol Hill. And even uh, you had Scott Perry, who chairs the Freedom Caucus from Pennsylvania, sign on to this deal that would keep the government open. There would be a, a, a small cut in all other spending except for Veterans Affairs and the Pentagon and would fund the government for a month and also you know, the sweetener in this is some border security. But you have certain Republican members who are just, you know, against doing anything that is close to a CR or just, you know, some funding that just keeps the government open. And so that's why they are willing to vote no. And I'm going to tell you right now how this is going to go. I don't know whether or not the government's going to shut down, but this is the crystal ball. The crystal ball was very murky last week. It's still Mm -hmm. murky about a government shutdown, but it's much clearer about this scenario. So this deal that they put out Sunday night doesn't appear to have the votes. 
I asked Kevin McCarthy just a little bit ago, I said, you know, aren't you trying to communicate to your members to pass your bills because you're on better parliamentary and political footing if you've passed some bills, but you yes. get to next which, week? Which, we, which we've witnessed yes. before in terms of his experience, where, where basically if, if the House side is the side that has passed something, it gives them advantage when it comes to uh, the, the, the theater of play. But yes, please. Continue. Getting jammed by the Senate. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what Kevin McCarthy said. And so what will probably happen is they may or not may not be able to pass any bills over here. They couldn't even pass their own defense spending bill last week, although McCarthy mm -hmm. says they'll try again this week. So you get down to the end of the week. You have Chuck Schumer realizing that he's running out of time, too, because it does take a little bit more time to do things in the Senate. He overcomes a filibuster over there. They get you know, 70, 80, maybe even 90 votes. There was one vote last week, 91 to seven to start debate on a defense bill. So, you know, this is going to be in the upper, upper, yeah, upper ranges here. And you're able to move some bill there that just keeps the government open with a big coalition of Democrats and Republicans, and they bounce it back over to the House. Now, Kevin McCarthy can take that and probably pass it with anywhere between 275 and 350 votes. That's astonishing if you think about it. I mean, look at how many you know votes they ultimately had for the debt ceiling back in, in May. But the risk for Kevin McCarthy, and that averts a shutdown, the risk for Kevin McCarthy though, is he puts that bill on the floor with lots of Democrats and Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and others are warming up in the, in the wings here and they introduce a motion to vacate the chair, which McCarthy probably prevails on but they are basically demonstrating a vote of no confidence in the Republican speaker. More of the Ben Dominish podcast right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Yeah, I, I mean, I... Obviously, you know these uh, these figures sort of take on a different aspect when they when they wade into uh, the question of whether McCarthy should be vacated or not. When you look at what Matt Gates has been doing uh, within this context, uh, you know, uh, analyze him for a moment for me. You know, just historically, I know that you're very aware of kind of the way that history repeats, and there are different you know personalities and types that come into Congress. Uh, what is Gates really following in terms of, of his analog? Is there something like that historically? Yeah, you've had different members who are always a thorn in the side of leadership. Okay, that, there, there's always a handful. Okay, that's not a surprise. I remember mm -hmm. a few years ago there was Tom Tancredo, who is a Republican yes. from Colorado. And, and I remember there was, you know, a big bill trying to fund the government. He, and he went to the leadership or the leadership came to him and he said, I can help you. And they said, oh, really? And he said, they listened really closely. He said, I'm not going to vote for it, so don't bother with me. You know, and, and that was the helping. <laughs> you're, you're eliminating the time suck going and trying to court his vote. There's always been members like this. Uh, so this is not that new. The difference here, and this is the historic precedent, is that if Matt Gates or somebody else moves to vacate the chair, and let me clarify what that means, that means that you, you potentially have a mid-Congress vote for Speaker of the House. Uh, my TV guide, and I've been here on Capitol Hill for a long time, my TV guide does not have that program listed in it. I've not seen that show before. Uh, mm -hmm. I have seen a speaker resign in the middle of the Congress. 
We had that happen with, you know, John Boehner. You know, we had that not that long ago, back in the late 80s with Jim Wright. Uh, You had Speaker Bankhead in the 30s die in office. So having a vote like that in the middle of the Congress is not unprecedented. I I, I would just suggest uh, I don't think that there's anything close to it other than the Bob Livingston sort of self uh, yeeting, uh, uh, you know, post Clinton. You know, of, of right, right, of, right, where he know, was kind of the speaker designate, yes. right, but they never had the vote. Right, but but yeah. here's where, again, I always talk about it coming down to the math. I can tell you more more precisely where Kevin McCarthy stands with his conference compared to whether or not there's going to be a government shutdown, and here's why. Because this is the parliamentary mechanics that nobody knows about how this process would work. So let's say Matt Gates at any point in time, whether it's before they fund the government, don't fund the government, whatever, mm-hmm. he introduces his resolution. That is privileged. It goes up the floor first, because that is one of the highest levels of importance here in the House. And so what would happen immediately is you have a secondary motion. So the vote is not actually on deciding whether or not Kevin McCarthy should continue to be the speaker. The vote is on a motion to table, which is to set it by by the wayside, or to refer it to committee, either House administration or House rules. And so the chances of that happening are pretty high. But here is the nightmare scenario. Let's say for whatever reason that motion to refer or to table does not pass, that secondary motion. And I realize this is complicated. I realize it's in the weeds, but it's really important. No, it's so really that important. Fails. Yeah. Yeah. Then you come back to that original motion, which is the motion to vacate. And if the secondary motion failed, the primary motion, which is the motion to actually have a new speaker's vote, probably succeeds. Now, here's the problem. Let's just say the government has shut down. You cannot and say you have the votes to pass a bill to fund the government. You can't get to that bill. Why? Because the higher precedent, mind you, is getting a speaker of the House. And you remember it took 15 rounds and five days back in January. Well, it might take and you have to have an outright majority of the entire House. Kevin McCarthy is in this position right now because he doesn't have the votes. And so how long does that go on for? And does Kevin McCarthy ever win or somebody else? I have no idea. Well, but I mean, that's the, a bad the, the scenario point, because the, the government sh- yeah, sh- could be shut yeah, down. No, the, the, the one point I would just say, and this is the, the sort of the same situation uh, as I was writing about it back uh, during those that period of time with, with McCarthy, was mm-hmm. there was nobody else who was going to get 200. They couldn't get to that threshold of, of like even conceivably being – uh, an alternate speaker and that mm-hmm. I, I mean i think that this is a this is an absolute uh you know shoot yourself in the foot kind of republican activity you know uh gop on gop violence as we used to say <laughs> um, yeah. uh and and i think that uh but i think that it's very likely at this point i mean given the well, given and- the tenor of what we're hearing yeah it, it's hard to believe there's two things that we saw coming for sure uh, Kevin McCarthy talked so much about impeachment over the summer. It was inevitable that they would get to having an impeachment inquiry, whether they voted to start one or not, and whether or not they ever actually impeached the president, which is probably unlikely. Why? Because of the math. The votes aren't there to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. First thing. But the other thing that was inevitable is that ramping up at the end of August, having this big funding fight, basically what we heard after the debt ceiling fight in the spring is that Matt Gates or somebody was going to file this motion to vacate. What we're experiencing right now, Ben, 
are the echoes of that 15-round speaker's race in January. You know, these chickens are coming home to roost. This is exactly why this took so long. And again, if Kevin McCarthy can't get the votes, who? Uh, The obvious people would be Steve Scalise, maybe. There's a reason why he kind of showed back up at the Capitol a few days ago after dealing with yeah. his cancer treatments. Okay, just say I'm here, number one. But I, I mean, uh, you it, know, as, yeah, as I ahead. think I've expressed to you before, you know, Steve Scalise is not more attuned to the uh, to the demands of of this con- of this portion of the conference uh, than McCarthy yeah. is. And then you know what what are you left with? You're left with Tom Emmer. You know, I mean, or Patrick Jim Jordan McHenry want from it. North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. But but here's but here's the missing part of the calculus, and this program has also not been listed in my TV guide before. You could have conceivably, and this, if we get to that stage, I'll underscore it again. If we get to that stage, this is unprecedented, where you could have a coalition speaker. You could have just enough Oof. Democrats and just enough Republicans come down and say, all right. We can elect a speaker with an outright majority. I've talked to you, you know, twice here about how they might get, you know, close to 300 votes on the debt ceiling bill, which they had more, well over 300 votes, and maybe even just for a, a straight CR. There's a group of people here on both sides of the aisle who just want this place to work, and they don't want to be beholden to the Freedom Caucus and the people on the fringes. And I don't know that this will happen, but I'm saying that that scenario is much more in play than it probably ever has been of a coalition speaker in the history of the House of Representatives. Chad Pergram knows, because he is brilliant and, and knows all of this history, you do not have to be a member of the House of Representatives to be the Speaker That's of the right. House. You can be anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that is- that And that's is never a, happened either. That's never happened. But it is a political uh, geek's dream, mm-hmm. you know, that that you would just call or nightmare, someone out. <laughs> or nightmare that you would call someone out from from the the mists of time <laughs> to come in and be uh, the speaker who is beholden to no one, you know, Bill Clinton, well, speaker of the house. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I I remember, you know, you know, President Clinton. This is before his problems with Monica Lewinsky, but they were talking about, you know, when he leaves office, you know, when he was president, nineteen, he was still going to be a young man. And they thought about, yep. well, could he serve on the Supreme Court or something like that? Now, each speaker's election, there is almost always a vote or two for people who aren't members. There have been votes for Rand Paul, who's a member of the mm-hmm. Senate, uh, late Colin Powell. OK, uh, my favorite was David Walker, the controller of the currency. Uh, that 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 was one that kind of caught who me voted for that. <laughs> well, I, 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 I believe. Uh, yeah, that was uh, I'm trying to think here. I'm trying while, to think while you're here. thinking um, I would I would just vote for Newt over and over again every time. I know exactly who it was. I know exactly who it was. I had to think for a second. It was the late Walter Jones, oh, the Republican yes. congressman Walter from North Jones. Carolina, voted for David Walker. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's uh, it's look, I I mean. It's amazing. It's astounding that we're at this point. So I have to ask you about the impeachment. Um, impeachment? What? Uh, what is this word you use? I thought we we're just talking about government funding. You see this? And I, I asked the speaker this a minute ago. I said, doesn't this interfere with that? And he said, it definitely slows it down. Yes. Um, the impeachment inquiry. Uh, describe to me a little bit the difference between the inquiry process here 
uh, versus a normal impeachment? Because I've been asked this and I've tried to explain it, but I, I don't think I do a very good job of it. Uh, can you do a better job, please, and explain for us uh, what is going on with an impeachment inquiry? Well, when you vote for an impeachment inquiry, that gives the House a little more power, supposedly. It formalizes it to say, OK, we're really serious about this. And in fact, there was a an opinion by the Trump Justice Department in 2020. Uh, this is during the first Trump impeachment. But yes. they said, you know, because the House has passed a resolution supporting an impeachment inquiry, you know, we're going to formalize our process of giving documents, which you have to have done that, which the House did. Go back in time to August and September of 2019. And Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, was much in the same position, talking about impeachment, coming out, having a press conference, saying she was going to have impeachment. And you had Doug Collins, the Republican from Georgia, who at the time was the top Republican on the Judiciary Committee, saying this isn't really impeachment because you haven't passed a resolution. And Kevin McCarthy said the same thing and everything else. So guess what? Republicans in the House cannot pass a resolution formalizing the impeachment inquiry because why? It's about the math. They don't have because the they votes. have, they have Again, 20 to 30 members who are from Biden voting districts who do not. Want yes, to eight, 18 specifically from Biden, but, but probably 20 to 30, if not more, who are not convinced that they should even go down this road. Even some conservatives, Ken Buck from Colorado. So basically, Republicans are and, and Kevin McCarthy said over the summer, he said, if we're going to do impeachment, we're going to do it by the book and follow all the processes. Well, if you don't pass this, then you're not really following the processes. Nancy Pelosi, because she's Nancy Pelosi and could always get the votes together, she eventually adopted an impeachment resolution for an impeachment inquiry on Halloween, ironically, of 2019. <laughs> so, yes, yes. So, I, I, so, so there you have it. Now, again, let me go back another step here. You know, that resolution, even though we've talked about that in the context of the last administration, supposedly you need that. But the way Congress has changed its rules for investigatory powers over the past 20, 25 years, you don't need it as much. Mm -hmm. And so if you say you're doing an impeachment inquiry, you're doing an impeachment inquiry. If you do like Lauren Boebert from Colorado did in June and try to put a snap resolution to impeach the president on the floor. And if the House were to vote for it, whether or not there had been any investigation, any documents, any interviews, depositions, witnesses, guess what? The president is impeached. So it is a well, little I mean, bit of nuance. That's, you know, just, that's just as easy yeah. as saying Beetlejuice three times and then having him show up. So. Well, I, I wondered I wondered if Kevin McCarthy, after what happened with Ms. Boebert in Colorado, if he wished he could say Beetlejuice three times and get Boebert to go away. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's the way it works, unfortunately for him. More of the Ben Dominish podcast right after this. You know, but here's here's the thing that I'm interested in about this. They are now putting themselves kind of on a plot line for actual impeachment, meaning like you have this inquiry start and then there's kind of a ticking clock of mm -hmm. when are you going to actually roll this out there? Do you believe that the House Republicans plan to do this, say, you know, the same week that Donald Trump appears before certain courts, you know, or something like that in the spring of next year? I don't know that. I will say, though, there's a band of Republicans in the House, even conservatives, who say we ought to be able to wrap this up quick. I asked James Comer chair of the Oversight Committee from Kentucky last week, I said, what is your timeline? He could not give me one. He said, because 
every time we have a deposition, we find out something new. I can't put a timeline on that. But there are competing camps among House Republicans about how fast this should go. And there's certainly that some. James Comer, do you believe that James Comer thinks that this gun charge is a smokescreen? Well, he said as much. We interviewed him on the steps of the Capitol last week, and he said that's the only I, thing I, I can't. I saw that live as it was happening, yes. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't connect to President Biden. So now that's not to say there might not be other charges, but that's kind of where we are right now. The problem, see, this cuts two ways for the House Republicans. Number one, there are some Republicans who say, let's do it. Let's figure it out quickly, get it done, then we can get back to business. Because once you get to impeachment, it consumes all news oxygen. That is unless yeah. the government is shut down and you're trying to figure out who's the speaker. Okay, I'll just put that out there, <laughs> that, 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 that caveat. But number two, you know, you could roll this out all year long in 2024. And there are some Republicans who would like to have that. The downside of that to the core Republican base, Ben, is that you have some Republicans in the House and just you know, people on the street who's, who like they really want to see President Biden impeached. And if this goes on and on and on and again, on, Lauren Boebert even said that she would put her resolution out there again if this doesn't happen quickly. At some point, they're going to say, what are you doing? You said you were going to impeach. But does the public hear it the other way too? say, oh, they're they're impeaching president. They don't know the mechanics of this. They don't know all the parliamentary stuff that I've run mm -hmm. you through. And so they just hear impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. And it actually helps the party overall because they are, you know, it's death by a thousand cuts to President Biden. So, yeah, you know, I, this could I mean, go I, either I, way. I look at I look at this and I think that it's very risky for Republicans because I think on the one hand, their base very much wants to see Joe Biden impeached. They believe that you know, he's incredibly corrupt. And and actually, the, the polls are on their side in terms of, you know, what we've seen from CNN and other entities that have pulled this question. You know, there's there's tons of belief among independents, even among some Democrats that, you know, uh, Joe Biden has done corrupt acts, etc. The, the problem for them is that that gets in the way of them doing anything that they can actually hold up to voters as a reason to reelect them. And it's yeah. the same kind of problem that Democrats faced before. Do you believe that this leadership team has a plan to be able to work through this? Or are they so distracted by the fact that they could get vacated at any moment, you know, for, for any justifiable you know, or non-justifiable cause uh, that, you know, they're just incapable of being able to, to lead in a certain way on this point? It's the same problem with the debt ceiling and funding the government, that there's a certain group of Republicans who just want this and this is all they want. It may yeah. undercut them on the main if they just deal with impeachment and deal with impeachment. But Kevin McCarthy and others have to continue to appease them dealing with impeachment in some form or they're going to get undercut there. Uh, it is popular with certain sects of the Republican base. OK, that's important there. But as we've seen, you know, certainly with the uh, impeachment of, of former President Trump, but probably the more glaring example was 1998 with the impeachment of yeah. Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton's approval rating was well over 70 percent because they did not see this as legit in my, any way my, shape or form no matter favorite, what he did with monica Lewinsky. I, I don't know what if you have a favorite snl uh you know oh i uh, know that uh, i know what uh, you're gonna say says, but, but, uh, <laughs> i am bulletproof <laughs> it abs that episode you have dana carvey playing the pre uh, playing tom brokaw i believe right yeah, and he says, yeah. well, now we go to the white house for an important matter and 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 uh and uh, they come out uh, who was playing uh Clinton at the time. Um, oh, it's Daryl um, Hammond. Uh, sorry, uh, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. He yes, comes out Darryl and he Hammond. just says, "I am bulletproof." Next time, you best bring kryptonite. Best and walks away. That's the entire. That, 
but that's the entire skit. It's exactly what it distilled it into 30 seconds. <laughs> Look, uh, Chad, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and to have you guide us through this. Um, let me just ask you one last question. Um, when you are covering these members, you obviously know the difference between the people who are there because they are serious pol politicians bent on trying to help the country and people who are there because they are giant weirdos who <laughs> just need the uh, the uh, the affectionate response of the people who are in the crowd. What proportion, what percentage of the Congress at this particular moment is made up of serious political people and giant weirdos? <laughs> I have not done a scientific study on this, but I will direct you to Alan Simpson, who was the Republican whip from Wyoming for years yes. and probably yeah. the Simpson funniest Bowles. member I have ever encountered in he all of my hilarious, decades. He was a hilarious man. I, I loved I loved every interaction I had with him. Yes. So in 2002, you had Bob Barr, who was a conservative Republican from Georgia, lose his primary. And you had Cynthia McKinney, who was a liberal Democrat, lose her primary. This was like August of 02. And so the New York Times called up Alan Simpson, then out of the Senate, to say, what does this mean? And this is one of my favorite quotes of all time in politics. Alan Simpson said the following, 20% of the people in your church, your country club, and in your place of work are screwballs and lightweights and boobs, and you would not want them unrepresented in the Congress. So, there's your percentage. Not mine, Alan Simpson's. That is perfect, Chad. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.